need new shoes. Welcome to the Fix Your Funnel interview series. I'm excited today to have someone I consider to be a good friend, but also someone I've looked up to over the years that I've been at Infusionsoft because he's just done some amazing stuff. You know who he is. And once I say his name, if you don't know who he is, you need to get to know him because he is a, a, a important fixture in the Infusionsoft landscape as well as the automation landscape in general because of his work with his clients as well as the work he's done in the community. And that's Tyler Garns. Tyler, thanks for cutting time out of your surfing to be with us today. No problem. Uh, thanks a bunch, Ryan. I really appreciate it. And uh, you, you've got it all backwards. See, I'm about five foot one with my shoes on, and I look up to Ryan because I think he's about eight feet tall, <laughs> something like that. Um, and uh, he's just a, a giant man in terms of his uh, ability and knowledge and uh, experience. So uh, we've got a, a great level of uh, mutual respect, I think. Tyler and I, had the, and I had the benefit of sharing the same office space for a few months uh, right before we left San Marcos and moved our office up to Utah, and uh, I moved out here to Tucson, and we kind of switched places because you, you used to call Arizona your home, and now you're down in, in San Diego, and, and I went to Arizona. So. That's right. That's right. I'm kind of back home. Full circle. Now. You know, my, my wife and I are both from California, so we're, we're back home, although we did spend some time in Arizona with Infusionsoft, so... Yep. Now you you start. In fact, let's go ahead and go into that. What tell us a little bit about your business today, okay? And, and then I want to know about your story. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah. So uh, the business I run right now is uh, Box Out Marketing, and uh, our focus really is um, helping primarily Infusionsoft users uh, deal with the strategy side of things and the um, the messaging, positioning, and conversion side of things. Uh, Infusionsoft is full of a lot of great people who can help you build campaigns and help you leverage the software. And the software is amazing when you know how to use it. Um, but not everyone is teaching strategy. Not everyone is really um, you know, very well experienced on how do you put together the right email series and say the right things in those emails to actually get conversion. And then tracking conversion is a little tricky sometimes in Infusionsoft as well. So we've got you know, all the, the systems and tools in place to, to help people get the right strategy, the right message, and the right tracking in place uh, to know that their campaigns are actually going to work. You, know, you invest a lot of money in first your Infusionsoft account, second you know, training and setup of your Infusionsoft account, and then third we want to make sure it actually does the right things, you know, that actually produces revenue, generates some results in your business. And so that's where we fit in is, is really helping you dial in the, those parts of it. Yeah. And I think that's an important part to point out too there is that, as Tyler said, it's just because you invoke automation doesn't mean you get ROI. That's not a direct correlation. You know, I would say, I would say it used to be true to a certain extent, right? When, when, Back in 2005, 2006, 2007, uh, if you were doing automated emails, um, you had a really good chance of just getting success out of that because no one else was. Uh, but now everyone is sending automated emails. It's just more chaos in the inbox. And so it's all about standing out and uh, having the right message that, that calls people's attention and really gets them to engage is, is the piece that we focus on. Uh, that's so important, so critical because if, and this may seem a little bit like it's a stretch, but if you were aware of what was going on uh, pre-2000 
with manufacturing companies like from 1980 to 2000 their big push was getting on what was called the ERP system if I, I'm saying it right which is electronically managing inventory how the inventory translated into actual production and distribution of, of products and there was a huge push and right off the bat um, some big companies had some huge results and so a lot of other companies started going towards that but what quickly happened is the results they were expecting they weren't getting because they thought it was just about getting the automation or the electrical or electronic you know computer based tracking on it and they thought that was the solution but the the real truth was there was a strategy behind it and the strategy had to be implemented to really get the benefits out of it and i think like to your point early on all it took was just one little step forward and all of a sudden you know you were showing up different than everybody else and you got results but as more and more people get into that position now strategy becomes not just a good idea but critical and essential so the work, the work you're doing is really really important and i encourage anybody that's not familiar with it, go ahead and look into that after the interview because um you got quite a bit of, of free stuff to get people acquainted with what box out's about don't you we do, yeah. You can go to our website and just uh, right now you can just scroll down to the bottom and uh, opt in to our free membership and get access to all kinds of videos, tutorials, you know, PDFs, all kinds of good stuff to download. Now, I think there's lessons and themes to be found in everybody's history or their story about how they got to where they are. Tyler, what's your story? How did you guys get to to where Box Out is being formed today? And go back whatever you think is is a good distance. Go back to give people a good idea of what your journey has been to this point. Yeah, we won't go back to my uh, childhood, but uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting. Um, I was I wasn't going to do this until you just now mentioned, hey, go back as far as you want. But uh, my um, my degree is actually in human biology, uh, so I was planning on going to medical school and becoming a doctor. Uh, why would I do that? Well. Um, one of the you know just God-given talents that I have is just the ability to understand a problem and figure out a solution. Be able to fix stuff. Uh, I love fixing things. I like using my hands to fix things. I like woodworking and all that kind of stuff. And um, and had a, an aptitude and a desire to learn about the human body and how it works and fix it. Right. And um, you know because of various different things, didn't end up going to medical school. We were right in the middle of having our second child. The internet had just blown up, and I had gotten laid off of a, a really good job at an internet company and in a startup uh, in Utah at the time I was you know looking at applying to medical school and uh, decided not to do that but it was actually that internet startup that kind of paved the way for Infusionsoft. I was there with Clay Mask, Dave Lee, Eric Martineau, Jeff Mask and a, and a few others and um, so that, that uh, was in 99, 2000, 2001 yeah, so at this company we were doing we were selling uh, free websites that were ad supported. That's basically the the business model of that company. And uh, as you all know, in two thousand one, internet bubble burst, and uh, so we all went our separate ways. Eric went home to Arizona and started a little uh, software company with his brother Scott, and they brought Clayton into the mix to um, kind of run the business side and do the sales. And that was the start of Infusionsoft. Well, a few years later, as they really got things going, they they started kind of recruiting back the old crew uh, from this internet startup that we had all worked at in Utah. And that's how I got involved uh, at Infusionsoft. I um, <clears throat> you know, had that connection and they contacted me and we talked about where I might fit. And I started there initially as the internet marketing manager. 
and uh, eventually became the director of marketing and then the the VP of marketing there. But uh, but really, what drove uh, our success and and my success there at Infusionsoft was kind of that that same scientific approach uh, that I had learned, um, you know, in my schooling in college. Uh, this this scientific approach of looking at problems and solving problems. And so uh, we, we took a very scientific approach with our marketing. Um, lots of testing and tweaking and measuring. And um, really that combined with the ability that Infusionsoft has to track your, um, and I'm going to get on to my favorite topic here. Yeah, <laughs> do it. Track your lead sources and uh, the expenses, you know, your, your marketing expenses against your revenue generated on each of those lead sources, that was, I would say, probably the most important factor in us figuring out how to grow and grow quickly. Um, and so, like I said, that's one of my favorite topics, still continues to be because so many people aren't doing it, and Infusionsoft just has this amazing ability to help you out there. And uh, so that, um, that, that's really what, what drove our success is um, just taking that scientific approach. In the meantime, I learned a lot about marketing <laughs> and a lot about messaging and positioning and all those types of things, but I didn't know that stuff going into it. Um, I had a lot of uh, good sales training and things like that, which of course helps. But um, those are things I learned along the way. And that's Something that I always try and help people understand is like you don't need to be a marketing genius to figure this game out. You don't need to, um, you know, have uh, the ability to come up with these really catchy, you know, taglines and headlines and that kind of stuff. What you need the ability to do is just systematically look at your business, at your marketing, uh, test things, learn from it, and then test again and learn some more and test again and learn some more. And uh, if you start off with some solid basis to what you're doing, which you can get from you know me and my company or many other great resources out there. Um, then you'll be you'll be on the right track from the get go, and then you just test and tweak as you go, and and that's how you learn, and that's how you how you make it happen, really. Oh, geez, you just blew my whole understanding of marketing, because this whole time I thought you just needed uh, business cards and print head, because on Vistaprint commercial I saw that, and so. That's right. I heard a commercial on the radio about this print. They said some, something about something about a, a nice fancy business card might be all that you need. <laughs> I was like, See, really? that's what I thought. And I was like, oh man, you just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. So well, Tyler, I don't once know you realize this. that a business card might not do it, what what you should do next is just go invest in some very expensive TV ads. That that's the home run ticket right there, right? Well, without getting too cynical, I did. I I, I find it curious because my background is I was going to be a dentist, and so nice. that's that's what I went to school for until I got burnt out because um, I started college a little bit later in life because I had been entrepreneurial at the beginning, and then. Uh, Thought, hey, I'll, I'll just go to school and become a dentist. That sounds more fun. And then, um, you know, got, I didn't actually graduate. I got three years in and I was working full time. Um, I had full time course load and I had two kids. Hmm. And I built a house too during that time as an owner builder. So I was a little bit busy. Yeah. Um, I think it's been the nature of my life. But the scientific method in terms of learning that in, in, in school and really getting a grasp for it because I loved it. Because when I went to college, I didn't go because I needed to because I was a little kid. I went because I really wanted to learn. So yeah. I, the classes, I learned so much better because in high school, if you would have met me in high school, you would have looked at my report card and said, man, you're a smart kid, but you don't work. 
you know, yeah. you know the, you're, you're not using your potential. But once I got into college because I wanted to be there, um, I just ate it all up. And, and the scientific approach has helped me so much in the development of what we do. And to hear you talking about it and, and how you used it in your marketing and, and to learn marketing is impressive. And I think if, if anything, if listeners can think about, um, it, you don't have to go to school to be a, a doctor or a dentist or what have you to, to learn the scientific method. It's basically what Tyler just already laid out for you, which is make, you know, make up some idea of what you want to accomplish, start doing it, but put in testing measures that allow you to see how it's performing. And in business, there's only a few metrics really that you need to be paying attention to to, to let you know, is this working or not? And I, I think, Tyler, that's part of what you teach when you go into tracking with people is what metrics do you pay attention to? Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, these days on the Internet, you can track everything. You can track when people are breathing practically on your website. And uh, so it's important to be able to filter out all of the unimportant stuff and just focus on what's actually going to help you drive sales. Yeah, and, and that sometimes can be the tricky part for people. What advice would you give to somebody who's trying to figure out, well, okay, now I've got all this data. How do you go about starting to figure out what they should be tracking in their own business? Well, that's that's problem number one. Now I've got all this data, right? So yeah. don't don't start with the data. Start with uh, the result that you want. So you know, start with the with the sales and and work backwards. So if I need a hundred sales. Uh, I'm going to figure out how many prospect records I need to create for those hundred sales, and then from there, how how many leads do I need to generate to get that number of prospects, and how many site visitors do I need to get that number of leads, and uh, just focus on the numbers that align with the end goal, and you find those by just backing out from the from the end goal number, and uh, if you if you focus on that primarily then you'll be much better off than just log into Google Analytics and be like, oh, there's bounce rates and there's you know time on site and there's all this other stuff. And yes, those things can become important, particularly the more traffic you get, the more important those things become. But those are all secondary to what is actually driving sales. So understanding your funnel, your direct funnel from like, you know, visitors or however you want to count that. Maybe it's people that are walking into your physical store or mailers that you send out in direct mail. Um, you know, basically like number of people exposed to your message. And then how many leads did you get from that? And then how many people to the next stage? And then how many people actually bought? Uh, focus on that funnel and the conversion from step to step to step. And you'll be much better off than chasing around all the shiny objects that you'll hear people talk about on the internet. Hey, to, to back that up too, you know, I call that the yellow brick road. So when I talk to people about this, I say, find your yellow brick road. You're welcome to use that, by the way. I don't have any trademark on it. But if if it's if you don't if you can't describe as clearly as a bunch of munchkins singing to a little girl with a dog what that that path looks like to go from prospect to to profit in your bank account then you don't know what your you can't know what your numbers are you can't possibly improve it right you got to be able to oh dang it you got to be able to to follow that path if you're going to have any success of tracking, improving, and making a difference. And so that's that's what I always tell people is figure out what that yellow, the yellow brick road is for you. And then the other part that you pointed out that I want to highlight is the fact that you start with the end and go towards the beginning. And most people start at the beginning and go to the end. And 
going from the end to the beginning, it may seem like it's just a, a trivial difference between starting at the beginning and going to the end, but it tells you what to really pay attention to, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, what I always tell people is it's like getting in a boat and uh, not having a map of, you know, or even a destination. You're just sailing and you're just like, where, where do I go? I can measure all kinds of stuff. I can measure the wind speed. I can measure how fast we're going and measure the wind direction. Um, you know, all kinds of things I can measure as we go along, but we're not going to get anywhere. And so starting off with, you know, a specific destination and having a map to get there is what we need. Well, and I appreciate you pointing that out because the th and the thing I would say to people that are listening that are maybe still in a quandary about well, what do I need specifically to measuring? I'll just say this this way: go find somebody who has done a bunch of stuff in terms of marketing and tracking marketing, and because through that experience and standing on their shoulders, you're going to get the perspective that you need, and then you'll start to pick up on it without having to have all the exact same experience they did. And Tyler's one of those people that you can do that with because, uh, um, you know, we've already interviewed Partiv Shah. Partiv's a data scientist. He has that kind of experience. Uh, Tyler has this experience. You've got to look at people who have done a bunch of stuff. And I think one of the, the great blessings for your life, Tyler, was being able to be the director of marketing for Infusionsoft and take that larger budget than you might have had as a little startup, right, and, and take that budget and have to be very accountable for it and learn how to use that in a way that produced results because I think during your time was one of the most critical times for Infusionsoft as a company because that's you had to get yourself to a spot where you could attract major investment. Well, yeah, and the, and the truth of the matter is um, we didn't have a big budget um, when I first started. When I first started, I was entrusted with very little. I was entrusted with a total of $300 <laughs> the first month that we actually started spending money on advertising. That was the total, and it was like, okay, here's $300. Let's see if you can go turn that into more than $300, and if you can, then we'll give you more. And so it was very much like a startup. I mean, I would bet most of the people on listening to your calls can come up with $300 a month. Yeah. Um, and if you can turn $300 into $500, then you're onto something. And then you take that $500 and you turn it into $700. And you just keep going and keep going and keep going. And eventually, by the time I left, we were managing a, an ad budget of a couple million dollars a year. Um, but it did not start with that. And so it required, like you said, accountability, testing and tweaking um, the whole way. And so we started with $300 and we were able to generate around 300 leads that first month, and then we were able to ramp that up to doing about twenty-five thousand leads um, a month by the time by the time I left. And uh, but it, it wasn't just like, oh, here's money, go spend it uh, however you want. No, I had to report back every month. Here's what we spent it on, and here's what it generated, and here's our cost per lead, and here's our cost per acquisition, and you know, all those numbers were super super important. By the way, you were talking about where people can go to get that stuff. Um, yeah. I'll just point people back to boxoutmarketing.com just opt in because one of our free tools is a place where you can track your key metrics and we've got them laid out there for you so <laughs> if you're wondering what metrics should I be tracking and how should I be doing it just go in there go to the weekly metrics tool and you can just enter in your metrics each week it'll give you nice pretty graphs and all kinds of stuff so you can see uh, how you're performing on your key metrics that's awesome well thank you so much for offering that to listeners I think that'll be a huge benefit for them uh, especially if they're using Infusionsoft and they want to see how is this tool working and, and start to get a feel for where they need to be focusing as well. Um, uh, you've already started to go into my next question, which is where are you using technology to gain leverage in your business? 
But do you care to go into it a little bit more? I mean, obviously, you're using it for data to be able to make good choices and to be able to optimize your marketing. But are, are there any other ways that, that you want to go into on where you're getting leverage with technology? Sure. So we've got you know your standard Infusionsoft answers. Uh, we're a small shop, so we use Infusionsoft for all kinds of automation, everything from tracking affiliate sales to following up with uh, leads and customers. Uh, we have a membership site that we utilize to um, push out content and to manage all those tools that I was just mentioning and things like that. So um, we're able to service a lot of Infusionsoft customers with very very small staff here, and so that's providing a lot of uh, a lot of leverage for us. Um, you know, I don't know if you're interested in kind of technology outside of the Infusionsoft world. Sure. We use yeah. um, we use Google Docs for all our stuff, so our our team is semi remote. Um, you know, we've got a web developer in Utah. We've got a couple of people here, but not working in an office all day together. Um, we've had people in other countries and uh, you know people all over the world. And so we use Google Docs. We find that to be very um, efficient for us in terms of uh, just document management and being able to edit things uh, on the fly and our our meeting notes and things like that go in there. And then we use uh, Asana for project management um yeah i'm not i'm not sure i'm in love with asana i'm still it's still date still dating asana right now but um <laughs> we've tried a handful of them right we've tried Basecamp, and we've tried um active collab and now we're on asana and uh it tends to work all right but i think you know project management tool of some sort whatever suits you is is essential when you get a lot of projects going on and you've got to stay focused and keep on task and Things like that. So those are those are some of the main tools that uh, that we use, uh, main ways that we use technology to to leverage and grow. That's cool. I mean, we've been through the on the similar path with project management in, in a software development company. You know, you really got to be able to keep track of uh, requests people make. You know, for us personally, we we're always trying to listen to what people are saying so that we can. Not necessarily respond directly to what they're saying, but see what's the root cause, right? And deal with that. But being able to track that. We use Asana too. I mean, that's the evolution we've been to. And we've been down through a few others to get to that. And personally, we, we seem to be enjoying Asana for the transparency to be able to keep the conversation in that place. Because when you get as many people as we have on our team working together, the emails can get crazy if you let it be email. So we found a lot of leverage in being able to Put those tasks in there. Um, I know that there's some tools like Zapier and stuff like that that will let you assign tasks from Infusionsoft into Asana. <laughs> I just saw that the other day. I wrote one because that's what I do. But um, So we, we end up using that sometimes to do tasks because we like a little bit of the, the functionality better than the Infusionsoft task in terms of user-friendliness to get to things and stuff. But all these little things, you, you look at the processes that you guys are doing over and over again, it sounds like you guys then say, okay, what do we do to simplify and, and speed this up so that we can focus on what we really need to be doing that brings value to the marketplace? Yeah, I've always told people, like, my rule of thumb with Infusionsoft is um, if you ever find yourself doing the same thing more than three times in one day, stop, automate it, and then move on. Because um, we, we all do it. You get in the habit of doing things or you just get, you know, cranking through your work and you don't even realize that, well, I just did the same thing a handful of times. 
and uh, as soon as you do it like three times in a day or even three times in a week uh, depending on how uh, how much time that task might take uh, stop and automate it because Infusionsoft in particular just has tons of ways you can you can automate those day-to-day -day repetitive tasks well so that brings up a topic that's kind of been on my mind which is recently you know I, there's some things that grate me the wrong way it's sort of like nails and chalkboard and one of those things is when someone says uh, Infusionsoft's just too much work. I can't be setting up campaigns, and I or I've put in like thousands of dollars trying to get this thing set up. I don't even know if it's worth. It. I'm thinking about just pulling the plug. And it, to me, and I'm going to tell you what I think about this, and I want to hear what you have to think about it. And, and don't be afraid to contradict me at all. I know you won't because you stand on your own two feet. But um, I look at that and I say, there's this concept. I think it was. Um, uh, who's that crazy old guy that wrote the book about, the, about working on your business, not in your business? And sorry about calling you crazy old if you're listening to it. But <laughs> that's kind of the way you always came across to me when I saw you in the video. <laughs> but um, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, Michael Gerber. Michael Gerber. So um, he, I think he was the one that said it. And I heard this as a teenager, right, from him was if if you're not – if you can't sell your business right, guess what? You're buying it. So if you're building the business and you ought to be building it and thinking about, could I sell this business? And if you're not building it to sell, you got to understand no matter what you're buying. So if, if you can't build it to sell and not build it to sell like Wall Street type sell where your numbers are all screwed up just to make the valuation look high, but where like, hey, this business runs like a machine. You know, there is a value human component to it, but, you know, this is something I could sell. I've got a database that's like all tricked out in terms of tracking of, of customers and prospects and how they interact with my marketing. I got marketing systems in place so I can drop somebody in somewhere and it's going to nurture them and lead them to a sale. I got sales systems in place. I mean, if you don't have these processes in place in your business and they're not automated, in my opinion, you're just saying this business isn't worth it. This business isn't worth it. If a business isn't worth it, then I really think you need to make a firm evaluation and say, why am I in the business? If I'm not willing to invest in it to build it to where it would be worth buying or selling, right, then why am I working in this business at all? If the opportunity doesn't, isn't sufficient to you know, support my investment into building it and automating it, then again, why am I in that business at all? Maybe I should be asking the question of, is there a different business I should be in altogether if this one can't support the investment to make it something worthy of selling or, in that case, worthy of buying yourself? Thoughts? Yeah, I'd agree with you 100%. I mean, anyone who says Infusionsoft is too much work um, is looking at it very short-sightedly. Um, they're not looking at the long term. Uh, they're not looking at investing in in building the business. They're looking at uh, the task load that they have to work on that day. And like you say, they're working in the business, not on the business. And they're never going to get out of the situation that they're in. Uh, we recently had um, – you actually came down to it and helped out. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. We had our, event. our event, um, our W Sales workshop event recently. And um, – we, we tacked onto that a, uh, an Infusionsoft masterclass. And one of the guys that came to that event mentioned to me that the, the sole reason that he signed up uh, for that event is because in the marketing, one of the things that I said was, um, you know, of all of the very successful Infusionsoft customers that I see out there, all of them 
have very strong Infusionsoft expertise in-house. Um, they're, they're not people generally that, that try and outsource it all. They say, oh, I'm going to buy Infusionsoft and have someone else just manage all this for me. They, they dig in. They commit to it. They learn it. They, they learn to love all of the automation and craziness that you can do in there and get really excited about you know, automating everything. And, um, and that's just the mentality. And he, and he realized when he heard that, he's like, well, I've been kind of – you know, farting around for lack of a better word with Infusionsoft for like three years and I haven't gotten the benefit that I wanted out of it, it's time for me to commit. And so he came to the event to fully commit, you know, three days of deep dive Infusionsoft training and then a couple of days of, of campaign building. And uh, he is ecstatic about Infusionsoft now. And for three years, he'd kind of been one of those guys, well, oh, it's too much work. It's kind of a pain, whatever. Um, now he's loving it. And really all it was was a mindset shift for him. Yeah. That's all it was. All it was was him deciding, you know what, I'm going to commit to this. There are people out there that are crushing it with Infusionsoft. Why not me? I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to learn it, and we're going to nail it. And, and they have been. They've been doing a great job. No, I, th I think that's another big point that I'd highlight out of what you said is the fact that the, that's – I have four characteristics I always talk about whenever I start a webinar of successful people. One of them being being tenacious, so you know not giving up. But one of them is the ability to make decisions. So when you, when I say ability to make decisions, I mean when you decide you're going to do something, you're all in. You don't halfway it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I know in the construction industry where my family comes through deep, there's other ways they put that. But this is a kids show, so <laughs> you know if if you do things halfway, you can never expect to have results. In any, in any form, you know, I'm in yoga classes right now. I brought this up a couple of times and I am so tight. Like you could probably shoot an arrow to the moon with me. I'm, I'm just so tight. But what they, what I do is I go all in on what I can do. So I, even though I can't do everything, I, I commit a hundred percent to trying to hold the poses the right way and all that. And it hurts sometimes excruciatingly, which yoga experts are probably gonna tell me you're not supposed to hurt, but <laughs> you know, I'm really tight. Okay. So it's going to hurt a little bit, but you know, I hold those poses and I, I do my very best with what I can. And that's, I, I think that goes back to the point of what you're saying is if you guys got the investment of Infusionsoft on your plate, you've, you've taken that on, go all in on it and you don't necessarily have to have someone that's exclusively Infusionsoft. That's all they do at your business. But you know, if you work on my team, you got to know Infusionsoft because that's mm -hmm. a, a core component of how we do business. And that's how it was from day one. The day we bought Infusionsoft, everybody was using it, you know, and the people that have worked on my team, whether they've worked for six months or they've worked with us for six years, they are they're masters of Infusionsoft. And most people that met them and they start working with them, they say, oh, wow, these guys really know the system. Well, that's because it's part of the job. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've been a huge component of that, proponent of that concept of in-house under roof is where your Infusionsoft expertise needs to be. It can't be, you know, look at, go ahead and use somebody outside for advice, a uh, shot in the arm to get you in the right direction, that kind of stuff. I'm not against that at all. But you eventually have to get people in-house trained. Otherwise, in my perspective, I look at it as Infusionsoft, and I told the guys in Infusionsoft this, I may have mentioned it to you when you worked there, you guys are like my heart. I had, I've cut open my chest, taken the heart of my business, and I put it in Infusionsoft's hands because they can make it pump better, you know? Yeah. But that's the, that's the, the relationship I have here. So I can't be having somebody else working on that because that's a dangerous position for me as a business owner. Any mission-critical um, things need to be 
in-house to some degree, and there needs to be cross-training on it. And if you're just a small team, then that means you and your assistant, right? If you've got two, three people, you got to be cross-trained because at any point in time, one of those people could say, you know what, I've got a new opportunity or I've had something dramatic happen in my life, I've got to leave. And you can't afford as a business owner to be left now hanging. Or right. a vendor hits the road and you got to struggle to find a new one. I mean, that's not a position for you to be in a business. I know I can't be in that position because I have hundreds and hundreds of business owners relying on me on an hour, minute by minute basis. And if I'm not performing, I'm letting them down. I can't do that. So you got to look at it the way Tyler's talking about. Now, Tyler, I know that you're just getting started on some of the fixture funnel stuff. You have some of it working. You're adding other things. But you have a number of your clients that you've directed that are using fixture funnel stuff. Um, but that story really for us, for you and I, goes back further. It goes back to uh, something you developed that was called um, Infuse SMS, right? Yeah, it was it was Infusion SMS. Um, I think it was back in end of 2008, 2009 when, when I launched it. So this was while I was working at Infusionsoft. Um, on my off hours, I developed, um, which uh, I, I believe was the first um, in SMS integration with Infusionsoft. It was. Um, I, I don't believe there was another one out there at the time. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I've picked up a little bit of programming over the years and just uh, created this thing in, uh, in the back room of our house and um, uh, put it out there. Didn't really market it. You know, I, having worked at Infusionsoft, of course, I had a lot of contacts and sent out a few emails to people who I thought would be interested. Um, Ryan ended up on that list, one of our very first customers. And, um, you know, we we started the SMS revolution. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was it was pretty uh, pretty archaic at the time. You know, all you could really do was a simple um, HTTP post to uh, to send a text message. You could also receive text messages, and we set it up um, so that you could receive a text message and capture a name and email as well through that. And uh, I remember what, once I got it set up, uh, one of the very first things I did was at the time I was doing a lot of speaking for Infusionsoft. I was traveling all around speaking at various different events. And so I thought I'd try it out, hopped up on stage, did a lead capture um, you know, from stage via text message, and uh, captured like 92% of the audience. Um, and uh, so that was like that was the moment I knew, okay, this, this technology is really, really important. Um, and about the same time, um, you know, Infusionsoft got a little more strict on its rules around, <laughs> around, uh, you know, what you could do as an employee in terms of, you know, your own business and things like that. And so I was on the executive team at the time and, and wanted to stay in compliance in compliance. So I sold that business. Um, but I think you guys had already started working on, on your your version of it, which took uh, what I did and and really you know took it to the next level in terms of features and and what you could do, which is really really exciting. Well, yeah, the st the backstory on that is the company that did the text messaging that your integration worked with was migrating to a new platform, and the API that your integration was written for wasn't going to work anymore, uh -huh. so they needed to have a new one, and they came to us because we were a, a user and and. Uh, they had seen that we were doing some stuff with send out cards at that time, which was like our only other product besides our one click upsell script. And so they said, Hey, would you do an integration? And, and, uh, we said, sure. And so we did one for that, but that's where the story kind of turns is I, I was finding some limitations. I found that not everybody, you must have had a pretty savvy room because I was finding I couldn't get that high a percentage with asking them to do the keyword name and email. Maybe I was just 
you know, tongue rolled or whatever. I, I didn't <laughs> say it right or what have you. Because I had people texting in the keyword, my name and my email. And right. There's the example. I was like, well, shoot, right. that's not working. And had people coming up afterwards saying, hey, where's the rest of that phone number? And, you know, things like that. And I started going, man, there's got to be a better way, which led us to the development yeah. of like our... Yeah, no, the, the audience that I was uh, speaking to at the time was definitely much more tech savvy. It was like a tech conference okay. uh, that I was at. And it was, a pretty, it was a pretty small room. I think there were like only 70 or 80 people in the room. So um, it's a little different than some situations. But yeah, I mean, it definitely definitely works. And you guys have uh, gotten around all those problems that uh, that you're describing. So it's exciting. I know one of you, one of the people you work with is Tom Bach. Off. Um, and he we he was on an earlier interview and he was talking about how he's making just a huge difference in his business by using SMS and so I guess we all should be thanking and paying tribute to Tyler for getting the revolution started so <laughs> well, uh, I don't think any thanks are due you guys you guys are the ones that are, that are well, really making it happen I we were I looking for it. around more than anything we were looking for it for a long time before that because that that SMS company had come to an infusion con I think it was 2008 or nine. Yeah, and uh, we had signed up for their service because they said they were going to have an integration shortly, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until you finally did it that they they were able to get it done, and uh, we were super excited because we were using the text messaging for re- registration confirmation for our live events for our training company. Yeah, and it, we, I mean, we had learned pretty quick that multimedia was critical to our success because going back to that yellow brick road or that that path concept, we knew that for us it was. Um, we did a lot of email marketing through rented lists and such to get people to, to register for an event. But if we ended there, if we just tracked, well, we sent out 10,000 emails, we got 100 registrations, be That didn't matter. What mattered is how many people were in the room when we asked them to buy because we knew what our percentage of, of clothes would be. So we needed to make sure that once they registered, they actually showed up. And that was the bulk of where our leverage came in. And SMS was a critical component to that because once we started getting text message reminders the morning of, we increased the number of people that showed up that maybe forgot their calendar or, you know, weren't checking their email in the morning. You know, they were going to check it at 9, 10, which would have made them late or miss our event entirely. So that SMS component that you helped uh, make happen was a critical part for us because at that time sales were getting more and more difficult as people were getting more educated on the topic that we were teaching. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just glad that uh, you guys have uh, perfected the model and that you're handling all the support now. <laughs> that was one of the things that I couldn't do, you know, as a full-time employee of Infusionsoft. Um, yeah, I, I put this thing together and I launched it and hadn't really thought much about customer support. And then all of a sudden I started getting all these requests. I'm like, uh, yeah, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, it's probably every waking moment you had answering it emails, was, huh? It was all the time, but uh, you guys are doing a great job now. So, yeah, and one of the other things that I I would highly recommend is uh, your guys' one-click upsell script. That's one um, that I certainly have uh, used personally. Um, I mentioned this event that we did recently. Um, you know, some of you may be th- sitting there thinking, "Well, I don't have anything to upsell." You know, I sell homes. Uh, I can't upsell them an apartment. You know, <laughs> it's like, and, and and you're right, except for you're wrong. <laughs> there's there's plenty of things and plenty of ways to upsell stuff. So I held this event, um, and the event uh, is like a $3,500 event, so it's not cheap. And uh, you, don't want, you don't want people to feel like you're nickeling and diming them by you know, adding on a bunch of extras and whatever. Um, but at the same time, when people bought their ticket for the event, uh, the next page was, hey, we're having a, a VIP event. Um, 
Well, various different VIP activities at this event. And uh, if you'd like to upgrade your ticket to a VIP ticket, you can do that for $497 or whatever it was. Just click the button. And they got you know a mastermind dinner and a private uh, thing on the boat that we were doing. And um, I can't even remember. Uh, oh, yeah, I took them surfing, um, that's, that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, quite a few people opted in for that for that upgrade. And so I think there's there's always something that you can just kind of make up uh, as long as there's some inherent value to your customers. Um, you, know, you can you can employ that one click upsell script um, in in so many different ways and so many different businesses, and uh, it just helps you build value with those customers and helps you increase your revenue. And so, you know, those those people who upgraded to VIP, I think they left the event, even though they spent five hundred dollars more than everyone else. They left the event probably three times as stoked as everybody else. Even though everyone else left really happy and excited about what they learned and, and what they got out of the event, those people left totally jazzed. Um, and I think mainly because they had more fun. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we provided some more value through the Mastermind event and some of these things, but they just had more fun in general. And so um, don't hesitate to just create things and, uh, and upsell. You know, the, the right people will take those upsells and uh, it creates a lot more fun for you and for them. I will say that if you are doing events, the VIP, there's fun, but those conversations that happen during your VIP portions that I was, because you invited me to come to your event and, mm-hmm. and I was there helping. But in those conversations, I think there was a ton of value exchanged where people were able to chat about the things they were learning, things that they were doing. And that kind of thing normally doesn't happen outside those VIP experiences. And so from a business perspective as well, I'll just add my two cents in that I think you provide much more value than, than what you asked for for the VIP experience. On top of all the fun that you provided, it provided this casual, you know, cool environment to be able to talk about things where some real value was exchanged. And you know, I learned some great stuff in those conversations I didn't, wouldn't have learned in other environments. So I, I think if people think about that, there's always a way for you to enhance the customer experience and make it better and stack on value for them. And the, those upsells allow you to deliver for those people who want it. Because those people wanted it too. You know, it's not like you twisted their arm, Tyler. Right. They said, hey, VIPs for me. I want that. And if you hadn't offered it, they probably would have not noticed the experience. But having contrasted it once they had it, they would have said, hey, I, I'm always going for VIP with yep. Tyler because that is that was a cool experience that I wouldn't have had otherwise that made my trip multiple times better because of that. And that's the thing to remember with the upsells is it's not about taking people's money. It's about increasing their value. And that's right. you'll do it every time. Okay, let's close because I know you're short on time. Um, and I appreciate all the time you've invested with us and the, the listeners because um, it's such a big deal for them to hear what you've had to say so far. I've learned good stuff. But what is the success principle you attribute your growth and success to? Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, I'd say it's a, it's a tough question to answer as well. But I think for me personally, it comes down to uh, two things, really. Um, one is uh, being scientific in, in my approach, uh, which I, we talked about already. Um, it, it's very easy to get emotional, particularly when it's your own business. Uh, we, we had this term that we would use at Infusionsoft um, that I've kind of kept near and dear uh, to my heart, which is ig- ignore the hippos. Uh, have you ever heard the hippos acronym? No. Um, I can't remember where I got it from, but it's some big wig. Um, 
uh, Google Analytics guy uh, that that I first heard that from. But we used to, we used to always say ignore the hippos, and hippo stands for highest. Uh, I think it was like highest income or highest important person's paid opinion. Um, something like that. So when some person comes in, whether it's the CEO or a director or someone um, that that has a lot of importance, and they've got an opinion, ignore it, um, and and start to make decisions based on data, and and that scientific method and a, and a systematic process for doing it because it's so easy. And that's actually a question that I always ask now when hiring people in the marketing team. When I'm hiring marketing people, the, the one of the tests that I give them in, in the initial phone interview is, um, let's just say, so let's just say I'm the director of marketing at the time. Um, I'm hiring you, Ryan, to okay. come work on our team. Okay. And uh, let's say I've given you a task to work on the website and you're working away on it. And I come along and I say, hey, I would really like the header of the website to be green. And then you know, five minutes later, the CEO comes by and says, hey, I really want that header to be red. What do you do? And so I'll leave that open-ended question to the person to figure out. And some people will say, well, you know, I report directly to you, so I should probably do what you say. Another person will say, well, the CEO is the CEO, so I should do what they do, you know, make sure that uh, we're keeping the CEO happy, whatever. And both answers are wrong. It's whatever uh, the, the data says. That's what that's, I'm going to do. That's right. Good job. <laughs> so the answer always is test it. You know, we need to test it. Um, or if we already have data on it, you know, we use use what the data says. Uh, and so, you know, that scientific approach is uh, key number one. Uh, key number two is launch. You know, it, it's so easy to get caught up in a bazillion things and to have an excuse for why something doesn't go out today. And uh, I believe that the majority of time, the time that we don't launch something that we intended to launch, it's actually purposeful. Uh, we, we actually are doing it on purpose without realizing it um, to avoid failure. The, the biggest thing that we deal with, I think, as business owners is, like, what if it doesn't work? What, what if this new program or this new product or this new membership or whatever I've put together and I put all, like, blood, sweat, and tears into it, what if it doesn't fly? And what if, therefore, I then can't make payroll and I can't feed my family and I can't whatever? The, the thought of that failure is too great to deal with sometimes, you know? It's like, it's just, it's just overwhelming, and so you, you then sabotage yourself by saying, well, I've got a bazillion tasks to do today and I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to crank them all off. And meanwhile, that big new product, that launch, that whatever just sits there and waits. And we, and we trudge through the day, day by day, day by day, you know, hoping and thinking one day we'll get to that place where we make it big. Um, but meanwhile, what's in our way is ourself. It's, and and so the, the encouragement that I have is just just launch, just get it out there, just get past the fear and do it. How do you, how do you get past the fear? I mean, that's a real question. Yeah, there, there's no real answer either. It's just do it. Like, I, I don't know. You just have to. And, and the reason I'm like so passionate about this is because I deal with this too. Like, I think everyone does. Um, like, you, you struggle every day to like, oh, man, is this going to work? Is it not? Uh, whatever. And, you know, as you grow a company particularly, you know, you take on more and more responsibility. Your payroll gets bigger. Your obligations get bigger. And, and so, you know, it's easy at, at, a, at an initial point. And then it just gets harder and harder. You, you think when you look at successful people, oh, they've got it made. Uh, oftentimes, it just, they're in a harder spot, you know. <laughs> and, uh, I, so. I like to think about um, 
Elon Musk, he talks about right before they had their breakthrough with SpaceX, mm-hmm. he was about to lose both of his current companies because yeah. they were short on cash. And, sure. And I think about the size of his problems compared to mine. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and it's, it's night and day difference. But, I, you know, I've been doing some strategy sessions with, um, with people recently. And part of that is, you know, talking about what's holding them back. And in that, every single person has brought up fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And, and this is them being totally transparent and open. And I, I came to some conclusions. And, and because you brought this up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you for a few more minutes to share this no with problem. the group and then get any of your thoughts on this. But because this is such a critical component, the, the fear of failure sabotages us over and over and over again. And in my personal spiritual beliefs, um, I, I have fear pegged in exact opposition to faith. Mm-hmm. And, and, and these two things can't coexist. And because of that, the fact that they can't coexist, we need to look at the author of these things. Now, I believe in a, in a literal Satan or devil who, whose whole sole purpose is our destruction as, as children of God. And in opposition to that, that we have a loving Father in heaven who is our God, who loves us. And even though we may not always understand or see it, he does care about us. And each of these these entities is biting for our attention and, and for us to give like heed or, or follow their promptings. And what's interesting is each of these sources also has a signature. So, and this signature, I believe, is one of the blessings of the universe to help us to be able to di- um, distinguish between the two. And the, the ability to distinguish the two is actually pretty easy. So the adversary, as I call him, his, his, his signature is fear, doubt, discouragement, um, anger, you know, hate, the, the, all these negative emotions that we have. And these emotions are actually the signatures. On the opposite side, God's inspiration is accompanied by hope, um, joy, love, concern for others, you know, service towards others. You know, these, all these positive emotions that we feel. Um, and that's how we can distinguish the difference between these two thoughts. This fear of failure, and with that context, this fear of failure, I believe, is the temptation of the devil to destroy your potential that you have as a God-given gift that you are here to realize and and fulfill. And so as an entrepreneur, you have a very spiritual experience in the sense that there's nobody else that's going to save your bacon except for God and yourself. It's you you two against everything else. And because of that, you have to become very reliant upon him as a a teammate. Now, if you don't believe in God or, or if you have conflicts with that, you know, um, then listen with open ears and try and figure out how you can apply this to you. But for me, I do. And so what I see is every moment that we give, and so these two thoughts come into our mind, we get to choose then with our power. In the Bible, it says that uh, Satan was given power to bruise our heel, but we were given power to crush his head. In other words, he may be able to introduce this fear of failure into our mind, but we have the power to crush that to destroy it, to rip it out of our mind and not have give it any more nourishment. Um, conversely, if we get inspiration on a project that we're supposed to be working on, a, n- a new way to approach something, and we want to go test and work on that, 
then if we give more nourishment to that thought and idea and we crush or destroy or remove any of that fear element that comes in, we can conquer fear of failure. Now, it will always be here. It's part of the human existence is that the adversary will continue to try and, and destroy us in terms of our potential that we are here to realize. So to think that it's not going to at some point it's going to be disappeared, you know, disappear from this life is a little bit naive. I think it's always going to be there, but we can learn like the snap of our fingers to, to destroy it and cut it out of our, our life once we are able to become aware of what the source of that fear of failure is and also what's the source of its antidote, which is hope, inspiration, um, belief that comes from following those dreams and passions, inspirations that were given from God. And if you, if you take what you're doing and you get real clear about what difference you're making and what you're here to do, even if it's something as simple as you cut hair on dogs, you know, that there is a, a joy, there's a benefit to the person you're doing that for, otherwise they wouldn't pay you to do it. And so whatever it is that you do, that you bring to the marketplace, if you can do it with passion, you can do it with inspiration, you can seek, you know, some guidance and help from whatever spiritual power that you, you turn to, you can overcome that fear of failure by saying, hey, I have this idea, this idea is going to do good for people. If I had that idea, then I have every obligation to make it real. I, I need to finish that creation process and pull the trigger and just do it like Tyler said and not allow the destructive nature of fear to prevent me from realizing my potential and bringing value to other people's lives. It is a matter of service to other people for you to do it, pull the trigger, deploy it, put it out there, get it good enough to let it go into the wild and then prove it over time. Don't let yourself be deceived to think that you, you have to have things perfect before you can let them go. Let them go, learn. People will, are learning all around you. Learn with them. You know, let that marketing sequence go out. If it fails and you did the best you could, you, know, you did a good job on it, learn from that and then do it better the next time and re-release it. Don't give up. And that's my two cents to add to what you called out is the number one thing that stops people from having the success they should have, which is fear of failure. Well, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, as you know, my my beliefs are very much in alignment with yours. Um, I would say, though, for people who um, maybe don't believe the same way about God and, and Satan, um, one, one recommendation would be to find an accountability partner or some kind of coach. And you may think you can't afford it. Um, that's okay. You find an accountability partner. You can hold each other accountable. Um, or find a coach and invest the money and, and uh, exercise a little faith that that's going to help. Because you know that that next product or that next launch or that next thing that you've got ready is going to or has the potential to do great things and could then pay for the coach. Because if all the coach does is help you launch – and you're much better off than if you just sit on it for a well, long time. And look, and at, so, even if you share our spiritual uh, beliefs on those things, still get the coach. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You know, we, God put us here not as individuals, but as, as groups, communities, families, so that we could help each other. And yeah. so if there's somebody out there that can hold you accountable and help you to overcome this, use that. If there's a mechanism, use it. Just because we have faith doesn't mean that we stand alone. We need to, to work together. And there are all sorts of people out there to serve you and help you. Tyler, do you guys do any of that? Um, you know, we're, we're not currently offering uh, coaching like that. I do, I do that on a private one-on-one -on -one basis with some of my private clients. Um, but we're not offering that as a program right now. But I'll tell you personally, um, I rely on coaches and friends and, you know, for lack of a better word, accountability partners all the time. Um, it's essential to me getting stuff done because I know that I have that tendency to um, – 
to sit on things sometimes. Uh, I know that I have, uh, you know, the, the same ability to be, you know, if you want to put it the way you, you did, you know, tempted by, by Satan's, um, you know, temptations and let fear rule. Um, on the other hand, uh, I also know that, you know, many times in my life I've, I've proven to myself the ability to just go out and just make it happen. Um, and that's just oftentimes just like brunt, like, like brute force, just, just making it happen because you have to, you know? Um, and so those are, those are skills and, and things you just have to develop. Um, the, the ability to push through the fear, uh, the ability to have faith and exercise it, and uh, the ability to open yourself up to, uh, to an accountability partner and really kind of share that fear, let them into that fear um, so that they can help you overcome it. Yeah, that's, that's really huge. important. That's huge. Well, hey, thanks for spending the time. I know you spent a little more time than we were planning. No and problem. I just want to thank you on behalf of all the listeners. I'm sure that they've gained some some great insights that are going to help them to grow their business and, and realize their potential. So thank you, Tyler. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan. Great being with you.